This, this, this show is brought to you by Safety FM. Warning! The following podcast contains adult language, adult content, weird and unusual stories that all happen to be true. We didn't start this war on safety, but we're going to fight that safety war and we're going to win it. So Jason Alexander was on a very short-lived TV show right after Seinfeld. And they ran promos for it all summer and then the show didn't really last that long. The promo sticks out of my mind. The show title or what the program was or context really didn't stick with me. I don't remember it. But he was some kind of a counselor and he said all through the summer every commercial break communication is everything. Without communication I can't tell you how important communication is. So today we're going to talk about communication and accountability on safety wars. This often happens. You may give somebody training or you might communicate a safety requirement to someone or any number of things. And you go out there to do an audit or there's an accident or something and they completely ignored their training, completely ignored their what they were told the rule book, the policy book, everything else, because they're incentivized to work other ways, to work unsafely. It could be any number of situations. Fall protection, they're not tying off in a boom lift, for example. They're overloading a scissor lift. It could be anything, because you, know, you tell them, and then, hey, well, guess what? You're not their leader. You're not their foreman. You're not the one signing their paycheck. You're just a safety professional. They don't have to listen to you. Well, your word really doesn't matter. And this is more common than not. And it goes both ways in general industry and in construction and in maritime. All these industries, it's always the same. I talk to other professionals and, hey, what do we do? So I developed a couple of uh, ways of managing this. We already talked about putting certain things on video, audio taping things. No, as long as it's legal and it's done obviously and ethically, right? That's one way. But who has time to keep all these audio files and video files and everything else out there. It's really, no, not practical. So one way that I've handled this and I've managed all of this is to go and do it through safety training. So every week, most of my projects, some of my projects every day, there is a tailgate safety meeting or a weekly safety meeting. What we end up having to do is go out and we tell uh, the crew, hey, we're, today we're going to talk about fall protection. I'll tell her make these topics with what was going on in the field and my people, what goes on in the field. And I say, well, look, you're going to need to, with fall protection, you need to inspect the equipment prior to use. It has to be inspected by a competent person and also pre-use inspection. This is what you're going to look for. You're going to look for burns. You're going to look for tears. You're going to look for other damage. And you know the whole thing. You go through the whole thing. And guess what? That's what we have, we have to do. Then that's all listed in the safety meeting form and you have them sign the safety meeting form. Later on, if there's a problem, look, we had a safety meeting about it. We communicated it to you and guess what? You chose not to do it. Or the management knew, well, the management doesn't know all this training. The management told, uh, was at the meetings. They knew what the requirements were, what the safety requirements were. The management decided to tell people not to do that after we told them to do it. Right? Um, we trained them, we did everything else. Now, guess what? Not the safety meeting's person's fault all the time. 
again, you want to work with people, you want to have leadership, you want to have uh, influence people, you want to have a positive working environment, but this is not always possible, and that's is not always realistic to think that safety is going to take a higher priority than production in many organizations. So this is what I've come out with. Now, uh, many years ago, after I developed this program, right, so someone asked me to do fall protection training. And this is what was going on with them. We would go and do fall protection training, and the people could not really, it's not that they couldn't understand, they just ignored fall uh, fall prevention distances, fall distances. So for, so for example, you had a six-foot energy-absorbing, we used to call them shock-absorbing lanyards, and they're six foot, and you, then your free fall distance when you are when from between your anchorage point and when you hit the ground, also known as the splat zone, is typically anywhere from 18 to 21 feet, somewhere in that, depending on your manufacturer and everything else. Stretch of the equipment, nylon, and everything else, you have to check with your manufacturer what the appropriate fall distances are. But people were still going out there with this particular model and brand. 18 and a half feet of free fall distance of distance you have to tie off to not really free fall but it's distance you have to fall uh, tie off to from your anchorage point to the ground is got to be a minimum of 18 and a half feet what were people doing they're going out there and they're 10 foot off the ground using a six foot energy absorbing la lanyard obviously and it's not going to work and people would just ignore you management would just ignore you the owners were very serious about fall protection so this is what we ended up doing here's the sign-in sheet i have a picture so no one could use the thing well i didn't understand your words and i'm illiterate had a picture there fall protection distances everyone signs off on it about two or three days later we have someone because of course i'll do it for two or three days okay you had here's your uh sign-in sheet is that your signature on there yeah well you're using this improperly what's the issue well, now you have a pretense, so now you can follow up. Is the issue that they don't have any other equipment? They're doing the best they can? Sometimes it is, and you try to resolve that. What if they have the same right equipment? Now this is no longer a safety issue. It's a human resources issue. Because company policy is to do X, Y, and Z, and you're doing A, B, and C. And now we have to have a sit down with everybody and figure out why you're doing this. Do you not have the right equipment? Is it incentivized? Was there something else going on? Because you know, a lot goes on before you have the actual accident. Take time out the day before a safety meeting. Craft your meetings well. Have people sign off on things and retain those. Because guess what? Often OSHA, I can't guarantee this, but often OSHA uses this as valid training for a job. Same thing with the job hazard analysis forms. We often have uh, problems with personnel during the safety audit. Maybe the managers are encouraging certain unsafe behavior. That's usually the case. Or at least not enforcing safe behavior and promoting safe behavior. And what happens? Well, we have the job hazard analysis. You may call it safe, aha, JSA, TSA, whatever. All right. You go through there and it says, look, it says in this piece of paper, everybody signed off on you have to do X, Y, and Z. You're not doing it. Well, this is our plan for the work. This is an assessment for the work that we're required to do with competent persons. This is what we're doing. You chose not to do it. Why didn't you choose not to do it? Why? No, what's going on here? 
This is the other thing with a, that type of an assessment. Were things not assessed properly? I mean, not on that paperwork, but that's a discussion for another thing. So communication is critical. You have to communicate what the requirements are on the job. Otherwise, you're being unrealistic in thinking that people are actually going to work safely if they don't know what the expectations are. They don't know what the rules are. They don't know anything else. So they'll become a casualty anywhere in here, either getting hurt or getting caught doing things that you're not supposed to do. I'm not supposed to do that you were trained to do. Because I'm going to tell you this, a supervisor or a foreman or someone along those lines is going to use that paperwork against you, not so much the safety person. This is usually how it goes down. Charlie fell and got hurt. Supervisor says, Charlie did something wrong. It's all Charlie's fault. And you find out later on, it could be years later, that the supervisor is actually the one to blame because the supervisor, who's approving Charlie's hours, is a slave driver a lot of times, is the one that caused that accident. And by the way, you don't want to be the safety person who didn't communicate what the requirements of the job were. You want to set up a program. We can help you out on that. We do that type of thing here at Safety Wars, JCP Technical, where we help people with their site-specific training and things and package it together. So, don't be a casualty in that safety war. For Safety Wars, this is Jim Polzel. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are those of the host and its guest and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of the company. Examples of analysis discussed within this podcast are only examples. They should not be utilized in the real world as the only solution available as they are based only on very limited and dated open source information. Assumptions made within this analysis are not reflective of the position of the company. No part of this podcast may be reproduced, stored in a retrieval system, or transmitted in any form or by any means, mechanical, electronic, recording, or otherwise without prior written permission of the creator of the podcast, Jay Allen.